Hello, and welcome to the Unscripted Podcast, where we chat with some of our friends, former guests, and industry pals. I'm your host, Kevin Fukunaga. Be sure to check out the third annual Genre Summit online film seminar with dozens of exclusive interviews, workshops with working professionals, giving you valuable info, tips, and secrets on how to best position and prepare yourself in the ever-expanding genre niche market. From April 24th through the 27th, each day they will be releasing new interviews, and for that day only, they will be absolutely free to watch, so be sure to check them out. That's GenreSummit.com. But first, I'm pleased to have on a good friend of the show, a former senior TV development executive at CBS, Amblin and Canal Plus, who is currently the director of the WGA Showrunner Training Program, the CBS Writers Mentoring Program, and the Humanitas New Voices Program, is Carol Kirshner. Thank you for coming on again, Carol. It is my pleasure. I appreciate being here. We always love having you. I always love talking to you. You're a fountain of knowledge. You're super incredibly wonderful. So uh, <laughs> it's just it's it's always great to have you. So yeah, thank you for coming on. Thanks. Let's. You are super experienced at and, and knowledgeable about fellowships, and uh, you are the uh, director of the CBS Writers Mentoring Program, which deadline is coming up. So if you are planning on sending submitting for that do that soon um and humanitas really you have a week you have a week so get it in quickly Uh, so i wanted to ask you being the director of two separate sort of fellowships although humanitas yeah fellowships uh i want i wanted to talk to you a little bit about that i know we've spoken about them before but it's always good as a refresher and for some of our new listeners and you know uh, we can touch on uh new subjects you never know where it's going to lead but I, I wanted to talk to you about fellowships. Now, uh, we always yep. recommend new writers uh, to submit to fellowships. Yep. It's, it really is the one sort of way that new writers can, can be exposed to the industry, can learn from professionals, uh, can really get access uh, as a new writer uh, without you know necessarily having to be hired as a staff writer, sort of getting an internship as a TV writer where there is no such thing except for these fellowships. Um, So they're super valuable. Um, Yeah. So I wanted to ask you being the director of two fellowships, um, what do those writers submitting, I guess maybe the two questions I'll ask, what are the most common mistakes you see them? Cause they have to turn in not only um, a spec episode. Some of them require a, a pilot, but you know, putting those writing samples aside, you know, they often request a personal uh, statement and things like that. Um, what are some of the common mistakes you see uh, people who submit uh, make in those types of things? Whether you know the personal statements or you know uh, the the other documents, the other uh, things that they need to submit in their in application. Sure, process. sure. That is a great question. I just went over about 70 personal essays for the CBS program uh-huh. and also going through them for Humanitas. And the biggest mistake that people make is they don't realize that even though it says personal essay, letter of interest, it really is a writing sample. Right. And it's as important as the scripture submitting. And it's interesting because I work with my clients, some clients on this. Um, it, what it is, is it's a story. And you want, the first thing you want to do is pull people in with an emotional 
couple of sentences about something that's gone on in your life or something about who you are. And then throughout, it needs to include why you became a writer, what's important to you about it. And at least in my program, in the CBS program, it's what do you have to bring to a writing room? What is your specific voice that that you can contribute. Um, the mistakes I've seen, I mean, I just did this two days ago, went through a lot of letters of interest for CBS, is make it the four sentences saying, I'm applying because it's, <laughs> because I'm a really good writer and you need me in your program. Literally somebody wrote that. Oh. Um, a lot of people talk about how this is going to help their career, which is okay, but that should be less about how it's going to help your career and more about what you have to offer. Right. That's really important. Um, and it's a story. It's, it's a compelling, colorful story. Anything that makes you different and memorable. As I went through those essays, there were some that I'm still remembering who they are. Um, and when you read them, you want them to be the same way that a pilot would be. At the end of the pilot, there's a cliffhanger, and you say, I can't wait to read what the second episode would be. And in your personal letters of interest or personal essays, at the end, you want me to go, wow, I can't wait to meet this person. What a fascinating person. Right. Um, it is not a dry essay like you would write in college. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, the deadline for CBS is coming up on May 1st. Uh, the other programs, a lot of them, ABC, NBC, Warner Brothers, uh, is all on the 31st, but they're all coming up. Yeah. But what I wanted to ask you for this year, and maybe for people who may be listening at a future date or, uh, you know, prior to next season, next year's fellowships, does it, mm-hmm. is there an advantage to turning your materials in early versus late? Uh, or does it not make any difference at all? No. Um, and... it, it doesn't make any difference okay. at all. And you can tell the more experienced writers because they wait right up until the end okay. because you can tell that um, that they're using every last minute to prepare their material. Do you read one thing before the other? Like, do you read... Uh, does the program read their specs first? And if they're good, you continue on? Or do you just take all of the material all at once and just look at all of it as a package? Um, we look at it as a package, and okay. the process is that we have readers, yeah. and it goes through the readers first. And the readers are evaluating both scripts at the same time. Oh, okay. And, if, and they get a score. And if the score is high enough, then it comes to me and my colleague, Jeannie Mao, and we read the top scorers. And we score it ourselves and decide who to bring in for an interview. So at least at CBS where you need a spec and a pilot in order to apply, um, we look at them both together. And, um, you know, there are showrunners. Courtney Kemp just came and spoke at CBS last night. She's the showrunner of Power on Mm -hmm. Stars. She doesn't want to see a pilot. She only wants to see your spec. And a lot of people make the mistake of thinking, oh, I'm only writing a spec for the program, you know, for the fellowships. And that's not true. There's a lot of showrunners that only want to see if you can capture somebody else's voice. They don't really care about your original voice. They want to know, can you write in their voice? Right. And I've actually heard of um, uh, 
showrunners saying, uh, telling me that they will normally read an original pilot first uh, to see if they like mm-hmm. your writing, but then often they'll request mm-hmm. a spec to see if you can write in other, you know, in in a show specific tone and and style. So they wanted to see mm-hmm. both, actually, not just one or the other. They wanted to see both. So some people, yeah, I mean, I've heard some people like only original spec, original pilots. Some people like uh, specs, um, and some people like both. So it's good to have both. So it's good, you know, when you're turning in for the fellowships, it's good to have both since you need both. But it's good to have both just in your arsenal anyway. Absolutely. I mean, I think what you need in your in your portfolio as a television writer, as a new television writer. And even as a continuing sure. uh, television writer's broken in, is I think you need two kick-ass pilots and two terrific specs. Mm-hmm. And I I know you must have talked to showrunners who said they read both. In, yeah. in my experience, the showrunners that I've spoken to and who've spoken at my programs, they don't have time to read both. Mm. They're going to read one or the other. But you need to have both so that your management or whoever is connecting you with the showrunner will give them what they're asking for. Right. Um, And you'd mentioned the interview process, which is the the next stage uh, once the writers in the uh, application process sort of pass the the uh, spec challenge and and, and the uh, personal statement (laughs) um what is the interview process like and how does somebody stand out in that process to you another great question um what they need to do is come incredibly prepared and and i can just talk about the cbs program and then i can talk about the humanitas new voices program sure for the cbs program the number one thing you need, the first thing up, is your per- what I call your personal A story, mm-hmm. which is, and again, something I work on with my clients and something I talk about in this new class that I'm uh, putting on. Um, what is your story? What makes you different? What makes you unique? How did you become a writer? What kind of material are you drawn to? So what we want to know is we want to find out who you are and what makes you different. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want it to be too personal. You can talk about being the first person in your family to go to college, but don't talk about the eating disorder that you're still dealing with. <laughs> um, not too personal, but personal enough so that we know who you are. Mm-hmm. Then you should know what kind of material and tone you write and why you love that. Are you a sci-fi writer? Are you a horror writer? Are you serialized drama? Are you procedural? Are you single cam? Are you multi-cam? What do you love? Then, at least for CBS, you need to be able to say, which of the CBS shows do you think you're right for? And here's a mistake that people make. We ask people, what are you watching? Almost all of the interviews, they'll say, what are you watching? You're, you're, any general you have with an executive, they'll say, so what are you watching? Mm-hmm. If you say either, and I've had people say this, you know, I don't really watch television. Oh. Eh, that's really bad. Mm-hmm. If they say, um, I only watch cable shows. Mm-hmm. Eh, that's bad. Um, if, if they don't know what they watch, that's bad too. At least at CBS absolutely talk about the cable and streaming shows that you love, but have one or two CBS shows that you love because we're CBS. 
Sure. Um, the other mistake people make is just saying CBS shows. That's a little ass kissy. You don't need to do that. Right. <laughs> Giving great insight as to what you're sort of looking for and things that they can, you know, the pitfalls that they can avoid uh, as during the interview process. What is the actual... It's, I, I'm assuming a lot of them are done over the phone because people may not be here, but uh, I know that if they live here, you will you actually take the time to meet them? I, I think that some I've heard people can come to you guys and, and meet with you in person. Um, but what is the actual process like? Like, do you do they sit down and you start asking them questions or do you kind of allow them, you know, uh, freedom to just kind of talk? You just ask a couple questions and let them kind of run with it. How is it structured in that process? Uh, sure, that's. Another great question, <laughs> Kevin. Um, CBS, we do them in person. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that NBC does their first pass on the phone, and then if you do well on the phone, then they bring you in for a personal interview. Oh. We um, only very occasionally will we do something on the phone. Okay. Um, and usually, if we talk to you on the phone before we would invite you into the program, we need to meet you. You'd, right. you'd have to come in at right. some point, even if you have to fly in from New York, and we've had people do that. Right. We had one woman who's now working on Dear White People. Um, she was an attorney in New Jersey. We initially had a phone interview, and then she did so well in the phone interview, we said, you need to come in before we can advance you to the next round. She got on a plane that next day, showed up, she got into the program, she packed up her car, and she moved to L.A. in about a month. So, wow. anyways, going back to what you're asking. Mm -hmm. um, so, you come in, we try and put you at ease. Oh, here's another thing that you do not want to do. Uh -huh. there's, and there's two parts of this, and it's the amount that you're talking one thing is you don't want to be a shrinking wallflower and say nothing and just answer the questions in one or two sentence, you know, answers. Right. On the other hand, we've had people come in and talk nonstop, like it's a wall of words that <laughs> will not get you anywhere. Right. It's like, and, and again, ah, don't do that. Um, so you come in, you wait in the outer office, uh, in the in the reception area, they give you a bottle of water. You then we'll bring you into the room where we're meeting with you. And at CBS, it's the executive dining room usually, which is just a big room with a table. And we'll ask how you're doing and make small talk for a couple of minutes. We'll probably talk about your material that you submitted. Here's another thing: know what your um, why you wrote what you wrote. What was mm -hmm. the inspiration for writing it? Right. Uh, and then we'll get into the questions that I asked. And we will guide it with questions. So you'll, they, they're not left to their own devices to come up with topics of conversation? No, we wouldn't do that. <laughs> Other places might, but we don't. Okay. I was just, yeah, I wouldn't think you would. I was just kind of funny. Uh, that would be. Um... Yeah. <laughs> That'd be terrible for people. <laughs> just to see what they do. Um yeah. Um, That'd be cruel. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So the fellowships. Uh, and we're, we've covered a lot of great advice for those uh, newer writers who uh, are applying to fellowships, which we always encourage newer writers to do because it's really the only sort of 
internship you can get in the television writing world. Um, uh, and there are, I mean, I guess the other route you can go is trying to land a job as a writer's assistant or a showrunner's assistant, but those are incredibly hard to get, especially if you're not here and don't know anybody. Whereas this is like, you know, everyone's on a level playing field. It's uh, true. And just so the, just so um, the listeners know, the hierarchy in the TV writing office mm-hmm. is you come in as a writer's PA, then you move up. This is, you know, there's exceptions to everything, but you come in as a writer's PA, you move up to the showrunner or executive producer's assistant, and if you do a good job there, then they will make you, most places, not every place, you'll have the chance to be a writer's assistant. People think being a writer's assistant is an easy gig to get. Mm -hmm. It is incredibly hard because it used to be the staff writer was the entry point for being on a show, and now it's the writer's assistant. Yeah. Touching, reiterating what I said just a minute ago, it's it's incredibly difficult to get, especially if you don't know people. Whereas with the fellowship, it's it's great because everyone's on a level playing field. You you just send your information in, and you know, I know, I think, uh, what is it? ABC accepts letters of recommendation, but the other fellowships don't. So it's not doesn't even help you if you have industry contacts necessarily, right? Exactly. So exactly. Um, it really is a level playing field, and, and it's really based on your material that right. way. Which is, is sort of rare in, in the industry. So that's uh, uh, it's a great starting point for, for people. So I recommend, we always recommend that people uh, investigate the fellowships and apply if, if it's something that, you know, if TV writing is what you want to do, uh, definitely apply to yep. them. Um, and most of them, yeah. you know, the, the cost is minimal or none. So uh, it's... Yep. Again, it's there's no reason to not do it. Um, if you're not doing it, you're not serious. I right. Think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe we can talk just a minute about the fellowships themselves because we've talked a lot about getting how valuable they are and uh, some tips and hints and and advice to get to in the application process to better their chances of getting in. Mm-hmm. For those mm-hmm. who don't know, what is a, a, a television writers mentoring program like CBS. Okay. So they, you, they turn in their specs. They're great. They, their, uh, uh, personal statement is fantastic. You meet them. They're great people that, you know, they, they're, they're have a great point of view and, and they're going to be fantastic. They're accepted to the program. What is the program like? And, and what's okay. the benefit of it? Okay. Great question. Um, so this is CBS, and then I can talk about new voices. CBS is you start by writing a sample. You write another sample, and you do that under the supervision of a studio or network executive. Mm-hmm. And the benefit of that is you learn how to take notes, and you have a connection to somebody who's powerful in the business. So you're creating a personal connection and you're learning what it's like to take notes. Um, Then I get you for 16 weeks in weekly workshops. And what we do in the workshops are I bring in tons of speakers, executives, agents, managers, showrunners. In my program, we do mock showrunner meetings. I work with them a lot on how to, for lack of a better word, brand themselves, how to, and there's, you know, there's different parts of that, which I can talk about later. Um, And 
the agent night and the manager night, a lot of people get signed because of that. Not everybody, mm-hmm. but it's happened a lot that people have gotten representation by being through the program, going through the program. And and that's a huge part of what the program can do for you. At CBS, we talk about the business of the business. And again, they practice their personal A stories. They, they get their stories totally locked down. And then they practice with a showrunner having a mock interview. And we do enough of those that they get past their terror of it so that when they're actually doing the ones in real life, it's much easier for them. Then, um, after they, quote, graduate, uh, CBS pays for a a diverse staff writer um, salary for 23 weeks. And we try and match our mentees to the shows that are looking for staff writers. So... People have the expectation that they're going to be staffed. Sometimes it happens, absolutely not every time. And sometimes people don't get staffed the first year, but they get staffed the year after they leave the program. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know the different programs and their policies on it, but I I'd heard that at least for the first year uh, after uh, that, uh, a, a CBS fellow graduate. Uh, is on a show the, the the program or the network pays for the salary of the the writer so it makes them more appealing in that sense um is that the case at cbs it's, for cbs it's yeah. just 23 weeks 23 weeks okay other other um other programs it's more and uh other programs it's more others might be less but cbs is 23 weeks okay yeah and the point is to get you in the door and sure. have you become absolutely invaluable so they pick up the tab after the 23 weeks. Right. It's sort of that uh, no-risk, all-reward opportunity for them, I think. Uh, which, right, which right. Some, which sometimes is the incentive you need, right? Um, yeah. Well, it's access. The CBS yeah. program is about access. Yeah. Access to decision-makers, access to management, um, access to to being in the staff on a staff. Yeah, and and every step of the way, I think it, it's about that as well. When you land your first rep, your first agent or manager, it's about access because they have access, and you, as a newer writer, do not. Um, so it's exactly. yeah, another step in that direction, absolutely, um, and a huge one. Um, um, I guess to sort of stay topical, but move on from fellowships, because I think we've covered quite a bit. You've given some great information on that. Um, but to sort of stay topical, maybe I just, for a few minutes, I just wanted to touch base on, you know, you being the director of the WGA showrunner training program, um, while not yeah. being a writer yourself necessarily, but being, you know, intimately close to hundreds plus writers and showrunners and whatever. Um what is is the vibe of the Writers Guild strike, which for listeners don't realize, on May first, if the uh, the uh, the Writers Guild if the uh, contract isn't negotiated, right, be, between the Writers Guild and the AMPTP, um, then there is potential, not necessarily a guarantee, for a, a Writers Guild strike. Um, mm. So I wanted to touch base with you just to find out what the sort of vibe is out there, what the feel 
is like from different people you may have spoken to uh, on, on the strike itself, the necessity for it, and or whether or not it's sort of inevitable or if it's likely, unlikely, that kind of thing? Yeah, everybody in town is incredibly anxious about this. Um, and the things that the Guild are asking for are really important. Their um, health care fund is really low and needs to be um, uh, it needs to be added to in order for them to continue to give their members the kind of uh, insurance and care that they've that they've always gotten. Mm-hmm. Another thing is in with television writers, what's happened with streaming services is and I just had lunch with one of my former mentees who's now a co-EP. And she said that when you factor in how many weeks they hold you on a show, it can turn out that you're only making a little bit more than you made as a staff writer. It's it's egregious what's going on. And so that's what the Guild wants to correct, among other things. But those are the things I know most about. Now, in terms of whether there's going to be a strike, wow. I have heard from a couple of different people or a number of different people. Some people feel like, wow, all they need to do is get a strike authorization and that's going to give them enough leverage that they will be able to negotiate successfully with the companies. Other people feel like, you know what, there is definitely going to be a strike. And it strikes fear in the heart of everybody, but also these are such important issues. Right. And, you know, I know some people who say uh, it's looking really good that there won't be a strike. And and last night I had a speaker, a showrunner come to the CBS program and she said, yeah, there's going to be a strike. Mm -hmm. So I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know. I'm hearing it from both ends. But right now, the the majority of what I'm hearing is it looks like there is going to be a strike. Right. But that's just what I'm hearing. Mm hmm. Switching gears, uh, moving away from the gloom and doom of the WGA strike, um, I, I we were talking earlier, and it's, I think it's exciting. You uh, next month, I guess, uh, or in May, you have a new virtual masterclass, uh, Carol Kirshner's Hollywood Bootcamp Virtual Masterclass, which you're starting up, which is sort of an offshoot. I guess you were telling me of your a Hollywood Game Plan book, which is terrific. Um, so let's touch base a little bit on talk a little bit about that because I know it's starting next month um and yep. it's I think you said it was 20 parts uh online sort of a video a, series right it's it's a 20 part virtual course it's videos it's me talking I have to tell you the first couple of ones, I might not be as relaxed as I am in the later ones, so bear with me. <laughs> uh, being on camera isn't what I'm used to. Right. <laughs> it's a little embarrassing. Uh. Um, so, yeah, what it is is the book, which is about how you break in, is the in many ways a basis for it, but it goes into much more detail, much more in-depth, lots of stories and examples, and examples really help people. Um, and it, it covers things like how to get an agent, um, how to prepare for a meeting and how to crush it, 
we talk about something that people are really concerned about, which is how do you follow up after you've met somebody without being annoying? And I go into real specific detail in terms of how much time between emails you should have so that you're not annoying but you stay on their radar. Um, There's a section at the end where we talk about how you set your goals and then throughout your career, how do you make sure that you achieve those goals and you're staying on track for those goals? Mm-hmm. And that's just some of the things we touch on. As I said, there's 20 parts of it, so we go into a lot of information. Right. No, and we were talking a little bit about earlier. Um, I do want to, to mention, and I, we mention it um, often when we have uh, a guest come on that talks about you know, a service like this. Um, this is not a sponsored plug. We love Carol. Um, we're not, you know, compensated at all for promoting her service. She's just fantastic. Um, and if you are a serious writer and you have the the resources to to do something like this, um, it's like we would rather because there's so many shady people out there who offer, you know, who have questionable uh, experience and or resume who are offering services in the field. You are a you know, a, a long time industry insider, a, a true pro. And uh, so if you're going to to learn from someone, go to MIT, not ITT. No offense to anyone who's gone to ITT, but you know what I mean? Get get the best. If you're going to gonna gonna put your hard earned dollars out there, get the best. So this is not a, a paid promotional advertising or anything like that. We love Carol. We love what she does. We have so many uh, friends of ours who are working writers. We know that recommend you and, and love you. So uh, that's just a disclaimer. Don't, don't think this is a, this is a paid advertisement at all. We just, again, love what you do and, and, and you're fantastic. So anyway, going back to uh, the Hollywood Bootcamp Virtual Masterclass, um, uh, we were talking a little bit about it. You were explaining it to me, which I thought was, was great. But maybe for those who are, you know, considering it, maybe you can tell us a little bit about uh, what, because I know you talked about some things like, what things writers need to be successful uh, in the industry. Maybe you can just maybe give us a little uh, info, you know, that you can share with us now about what, you know, some of the stuff you talk about like that. Sure. Well, um, one of the things we talk about are the mistakes that people make. And um, for writers, for new writers, but also for um, established writers, I sort of see three mistakes that they make. And we cover this in depth in the uh, course. And one is not having blazing hot material. And I, I talk about what blazing hot material is and, 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 and that that's the beginning of it. Then it's not having a, a good personal PR strategy. That's incredibly important. And, and for me, there's three parts of that. And one is your personal log line, which is the answer to, um, so what do you do when you, and everybody in Hollywood is really interested in finding out, so what do you do? Right. And so writers need to know how to answer that question. Then there's that really important personal A story, which is two to three minutes long, and it highlights your successes, but in a way that doesn't make you sound like an arrogant jerk, (laughs) and it talks about what's colorful and memorable about you. And we talk about in the course how you craft that, how you practice that, how you make sure that it's ready to go. And then the third part is what I call your personal nuggets. And I got the term nuggets from Glenn Mazzara, who was the uh, showrunner on Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. 
and I call it nuggets because it's gold. It is the personal anecdotes from your life that do two things. One is they show what makes you different and sets you apart. And the other, it shows why you as a writer would be valuable to anybody you're talking to. And we go into some depth about that. And then the um, third thing, and we talk about this in detail, is the mistake I make are writers feel like all I need is my script and a great script, and they hate networking. And, and I hate the word networking. What I really prefer is connecting. But, but that's incredibly important because in this town, as you know, Kevin, it's yeah. about relationships. It is. And people will read your script if they know you. And so we talk about what you need to do to get out there and what you need to do to meet people and what to do after you meet people. Um, and I talk about the Hollywood ask, what I call the Hollywood soft ask, which is you never say to somebody, hi, I just met you at a party. Will you read my script? And I talk about what you do say. I give them the specifics of what you do say to people so that you don't back them into a corner and so they're more likely to help you. Um, you mentioned blazing hot material. And can you just explain yeah. a little bit what that is? Sure, sure. So I have read literally thousands, maybe 10,000 of scripts. Right. And in any given pool of scripts, there is going to be 10% which are terrible. Your dentist would say, oh my God, this is sucks, it's awful. <laughs> and then there'll be 3 to 5%, which is heartbreakingly wonderful. That again, your dentist, my anybody would go, wow, this is incredible. And then there's all the stuff in the middle. Mm-hmm. And the stuff in the middle goes from good to really good. Now, blazing hot material is not, quote, good enough. It is in that top 3 to 5%. That's blazing hot material. And anybody that has a blazing hot script, it's going to get recognized. Mm -hmm. If you know anybody who knows anybody who knows anybody in the business that you can get your script to, when people lay their eyes on that blazing hot material, You'll be getting phone calls. People will want to take you to lunch. People will want to buy your script, or they'll want to. They'll want you to write a script on one of their ideas, or they'll want to hire you. Um, it's really clear when you have blazing hot material. And what I say to writers is, if your material has been out there for three or four months and you haven't gotten any traction, it is not the fault of the industry. It's that your script isn't ready yet. Yeah. But when it is ready, it's so thrilling. Yeah. Um, and for those who uh, whose material isn't ready, uh, how do they know whether it's better to push it to the side and move on to a new piece of material or whether or not they can continue, they should continue working on it to make it as blazing hot as they can? That is really a good question, Kevin. Um, I think if you've been toiling on something for a year yeah. and it's not there, that it might make sense to put it away for a while and see if you can get fresh inspiration for it, working on another project or just have it, as my husband says, running in background. Uh, I've known people that have worked for three years on a project, the same script, and in my opinion, that's way too long. It, it, 
it's either the concept isn't right or your approach to it isn't right yet. And I think you lovingly put it in a drawer and you move on to your next project. Every writer has a drawer with at least a couple scripts in it that are just terrible. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't, you're not really a writer. Right. You're right. not really a writer. Absolutely. That's one of the things that I do like to ask, which I should probably ask more on the podcast. I've only asked it a few times on the podcast, but, uh, you know, where is your first script that you ever wrote? And, you know, it's almost always like, I don't know where it is, or I deleted it, or it's in a drawer somewhere buried. You know, nobody <laughs> has said, oh, yeah, I sold it. Nobody says that. <laughs> uh, there's The thing is, there's one person literally in a million, and my, my numbers are probably off, but you get the idea, who wrote one script, and, oh, my God, it was fabulous. Now, those people are often playwrights or novelists. Right. Sure. It's not like they are life insurance salesmen, and they went, oh, I'm going to write a script. Right. And they get a book, and then they write this fabulous script. That that almost never happens. Right. Almost, I, I would never count on that. Yeah, and, you know, those become huge stories because they are so rare. They're so rare. And again, it's not that they've never written before. It's that they may have never written a screenplay before. Sure. But they've written other things. Right. Yeah, usually the first-time writers who sell something or get work off of their first-ever script, spec pilot or, mm -hmm. you know, uh, spec feature, whatever, oftentimes they were professional writers in another field. You know, they were, like you said, playwrights exactly. or, you know, uh, I've even known a, a Journalists. Yeah, journalists, yeah, authors, something like that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I know you've got to run. We're running a little short on time. We, we had a, a long conversation before the podcast started. Um, so I, I monopolized yeah. some of your time. Um, but, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so the Carol Kirshner's Hollywood Bootcamp Virtual Masterclass, people can find it where? Well, if you go to the link, uh -huh. Carol Kirshner, and I can spell it out. I know it'll be on your website. It'll if be you on happen website. to be yeah. driving or something. Sure. It'll, it's C A R. O-L-E-K-I-R-S-C-H-N-E-R.com forward slash H-B, like Hollywood Bootcamp, H-B dash preview, P-R-E-V-I-E-U, E-W. And what you do is you go there, you uh, will sign up, for uh, to be on the list, and you'll be the first people to find out the details of how you get the uh, program in May. And if you sign up early, you get a discount, um, which I love to give people who are that motivated that they sign up right away. Right. And also, you can text the word Hollywood Download. It's all one word, Hollywood Download, to 44 two 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 and it'll do the same thing it'll take you to the link where you will sign up and um you'll also get a free download which is five things you absolutely need to break into hollywood great um so but just for listeners who may be driving or whatever we'll have all of the links that uh we're talking about now on the website uh so uh you can definitely check that out as well um or if you don't want to type in carolkirshner.com, I just want to click on a link. It'll be on the website. Um, do, you <laughs> do you have any final advice for uh, the aspiring uh, writers who may be listening, or is there anything else you want to share before we uh, end this today? Hmm. Well, first of all, I 
I think that when you write, you have to be brave. Mm-hmm. You have to be willing to go outside your comfort zone in terms of what you write. I think that you have to be um, intrepid, which means you don't give up, because your script that you write, your third script is going to be better than your first script. And in, in my experience, I've seen that people that succeed ha- have four things going for them. They have the first thing is blazing hot material. And the second thing is this smart self-marketing strategy. And the third thing is a large enough community of contacts. And the fourth thing is being industry savvy. So you understand what's going on in the business. A lot of writers sort of just put their head in the sand and think, I don't need to know that. But if you know it, then you know what's going on. You know who the players are. You are the CEO of your business, and your business is your writing career. And the last thing I would say is I just wish people good luck because every day people are breaking in. Mm-hmm. And why not you? Yeah, because we we do talk a lot about how tough it is. But like you said, there is that light at the end of the tunnel. Every day people are getting their opportunity. Every day people are breaking in. So yes, keep, your, keep your eye on that prize and, and don't give up um, if you truly believe yeah, this is what you what have to do. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Don't give up. But if you've been working on the same script for a year, put it in a drawer and start on another one. Yeah, maybe give up on that for the for the time being. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> yes. You can, you can follow Carol on Twitter. It's at Carol Kirsch. That's at C A R O L E K I R S C H, uh, and visit her website, uh, carolkirschner.com, which will have all of the information because she's also a great entertainment career consultant um and she's done great great work I, I know i'm friends with some of the people that have gone through a course and gotten you know literally they're on staff or they're working so uh i can vouch for her success rate thank you through multiple friends and, and things so she's done great and also her book if you haven't checked it out hollywood game plan uh what's the full title how to land a job in film tv how to land in Kevin, you're so right. It's Hollywood Game Plan, How to Land a Job in Film, TV, or Digital Entertainment. Yes. So be sure to check out her book if you haven't. It's also fantastic. They can still do the virtual masterclass without having looked at your book, right? They're, it's not an extension of your oh, book. Oh, absolutely. Okay. okay. But you should it, read the book. It covers some of the same material, but it's more in-depth. There's more examples, which people really tend to learn from examples. More stories that illuminate the points that we're making. So... Um, you can read the book or not read the book and you'll still get a lot out of the course. Gotcha. And uh, yeah, so uh, thank you so much for coming on the show and chatting with us today, Carol. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Kevin. It was a pleasure to talk to you and um, I wish everybody that's listening really good luck. Uh, And for the latest updates on recently released and upcoming interviews and features, you can follow us on Twitter at ScriptScribes. We're on Facebook and, of course, on our website, ScriptScribes.com. Thank you all for listening. Have a great day.